Welcome to this episode of the Million Dollar Mastermind. I'm Larry Wydell, and before we get started, if you want to know exactly how to win again and again, go to WydellOnWinning.com forward slash webinar now to watch something I've put together for you. Now let's get going into this episode of Million Dollar Mastermind. We're talking with Travis Rossback, and Travis is a multi-talented, he's got a lively mind, he's got lots of abilities, and he's interested in a lot of things. As a result, he's got a lot of a lot of accomplishments along the way, and we're going to dive into that. But welcome, Travis. Thanks for uh, taking the time to talk. Larry, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And let me congratulate you on being the first uh, guest I've had on here with an aquarium in the back of his, uh, 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 as his wall screen in the back. <laughs> they start to fight, let me know. I'll just tap on the glass. Okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, let's talk about uh, uh, your story. You know, how did, just so people will know, a little bit about you've done a lot of things you've been uh had a bunch of companies we'll talk about that but you uh uh also been a former pilot uh for jets and commercial airline which is not the cessna that i uh soloed one time uh uh and uh, immediately gave up that idea but i mean you you were big time into that but uh you started a uh, company in 2007 uh, called Hydroflask and has become one of the world's most popular water bottles. You've got eight patents related to the bottle. And the amazing thing, you started that in 2007, five years later, sold it for, what was that, $210 million? And uh, is that accurate? It, well, yeah, I, I sold it and then it went on to sell for 200. Yeah. yeah. And so the thing is that, uh, and now you've got another company that you had already started, Tumalo, the Tumalo Group. And so we'll, uh, we'll hear about that. But suffice it to say, you've been in the game, you know, performing at a high level yourself and very difficult, uh, strenuous, highly responsible things like being a pilot for jets and uh, uh, commercial uh, airlines. But uh going on and starting a big time company, coming up with an idea, but then bringing it to the market, getting patents, all of those type things. So uh, you might learn something along the way, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always asking a lot of questions there. You, might, you questions. might, you know, <laughs> you might've learned something. So let's get into uh, your story. Where do you think your story started? How early in your life did you get on this particular path of curiosity and you know following your natural curiosity and uh and really doing something big with it like the flying good question i think it started about age 12 i had a neighbor who died and uh we were we were fairly broke we had not a lot of money we were eating government cheese and uh had the opportunity to go into his house and do the estate sale. And there was opulence, there was money. It just felt different from our house, even though it was just right next door. And I inherited his bookshelf. And on that bookshelf, there was Brian Tracy, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Wayne Dyer, all these sort of 80s and 90s legendary 
business gurus and entrepreneurs and how to self-help books and things like that. I just poured myself right into them and I just could not stop reading them. About 14, I met my dad. He was down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I took off down to St. Croix, met him. He had a dive, he had a couple of few dive shops. And uh, then right after graduation, I became a, a dive master, a dive instructor, and a boat captain down in St. Croix. But um, And then I went on to become a commercial airline pilot, flying jets and stuff. But I was just always really fascinated with business. And so that's, that's kind of been my, my true calling all along is entrepreneurial endeavors and, and world exploration. And how, did, how long did it take you to go from uh, becoming, you know, get, getting down there, getting exposed to what your dad was doing to become a dive master? And then what did you say, a, a, a captain of a charter? What, what, what was that designation? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I, I went down at uh, 18. Well, I started going down at 14 and became an open water diver. And then I got my advanced and rescue. And then as soon as I turned 18, I got my uh, dive master, um, went over to St. Thomas, became a patty uh, dive instructor, 158190. And then um, I, I spent so much time on the dive boats. Yeah, I just I just loved being on top of the water also, just kind of take a break from being under the water. So I got my uh, U.S. Coast Guard 50 ton U.S. Merchant Marine captain's license, started doing a lot of parasail boats, ocean rafting, high speed, lightweight, really fast ocean rafts uh, down throughout the British Virgin Islands, a little bit of time on some catamarans and some blow boats, but predominantly on on power boats, fast boats, dive boats, parasail boats, things like that. And so, and how long did that take? Um, well, that was, that was about, it, I, it was a lot of hours, a lot of days on the water, right? You know, right. every designation was additional days on the water, 720 days on the water or whatever the number was to get up to 50 tons. And then it was also in combination with, time spent on large vessels. I was fortunate enough to get on a fairly sizable yacht that, that bumped me up into the 50 ton rating and um, kind of traveled all over the world doing boating stuff, lived in Australia for a while and worked on boats and um, had a little time in Fiji and Tahiti and things like that. An amazing wealth of experience and it would sound like for most people, you'd worked yourself into the life of Riley, you know, just the dream life doing that type thing. But, you know, the human mind uh, has its own ideas about things. You know, these things are planted in us before we're born. And so somehow you said, you know, I don't want to spend all my life just on the water and under the water. I want to get up in the air. You know, I want to try, you know, you were speed, you know, uh, a boat's never going to go as fast as a plane. That's for sure. So what got you thinking, uh, to make that transition? Because why, you know, most people just say, I've got it made. I'm going to do this the rest of my life. The world is full of unbelievably beautiful places and I'm a star, you know, I'm a captain, you know, I'm a dive master. I'm an instructor. I can go anywhere, do anything and get a job pretty much anywhere, you know, with the credentials you'd built up. 
and I'm sure you had your name established in that industry. And now you're thinking about moving into a whole nother industry. Nobody even knows who you are. And so talk about what uh, your, you know, what kind of scrambled eggs type thoughts did you have that caused you to think this would be a good idea? <laughs> Never quite heard it put that way, but I love it. Yeah. You know, there is a, there is a part of me that was just, I, I captain and was the first mate on pretty much all of the ships and vessels that I really had ever set out and desired to be on. Um, you know, I, the only thing that I, I kind of did not get to do or have not done just yet was a circumnavigation. Um, and, and for a long time, I kind of wanted to go on a solo navigation. Uh, I just wanted to get on a boat and take off. But I had this kind of like odd fear of hitting a shipping container floating out at sea. So I, I, I don't know what that phobia is, some sort of past life stuff. But um, I, was, I was working on a yacht. I was making great money and they offered me the captain's position. And it was incredible money. It was a lot of money. And I was only about 24 at the time. And um, I just decided I'd, I'd kind of had enough of that. I didn't really want to be on the vessels anymore. It was, it was beautiful. It was great pay. It was a lot of fun. But at the same time, it was a little confined. It was a full-time live aboard job. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it just it felt like kind of like golden handcuffs almost. Uh -huh. And, um, and I, and I declined, I said, no, you know, I, I think I'm done working with you guys all together, but thanks. Anyway, as I was walking down the board ramp, I thought, oh, geez, you know, like, what have I done? There goes my opportunity. And, um, I heard you're a pilot, I'm like, oh, I'm a pilot, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and that night I, um, realized like, well, I, I don't know how to fly airplanes, I guess, but, uh, I, and I need money for rent and food. So I might as well go get a job as an, as a captain again. And I happened to stumble upon a magazine called flying a piloting magazine. And it like, I saw it and it was just like, okay, that is it. I'm a pilot. So I started calling around and they were telling me these outrageous prices to go to school to become a airline pilot. Sure. And I had like $8 to my name. And uh, finally, one of the schools said, well, you can get student loans. I said, okay, I don't know what that is, but that sounds good. Let's do that. So um, it, like everything just kind of started falling into line. And I ended up leaving St. Thomas, came back to Oregon and started flying. And then September 11 happened. That put a huge pause on everything, um, especially aviation related. So then I moved over to Central Oregon, started rock climbing and uh, just kind of passing the time until we could fly again and then picked right back up and, and became a, a multi-engine, you know, instructor with my instrument ratings and all of that. And um, How started long did it take, by the way, well, it took, I started in 2000 and then 2001 happened and then 2002. So it was about two and a half, three years to get all my ratings. I did a bit of a fast track also. I went to a school called Airline Transport Professionals, ATP. And I think, I, I don't remember exactly. I think it was about 90 days plus or minus where we had multi-engine cross-country time. So we just got to fly all over the country from school to school, racking up 
cross-country uh, pilot in command, multi-engine cross-country instrument night time. So I had a lot of good hours from that school. And then when I got done with the school, I was driving back home, had no idea what I was going to do. And I saw some uh, skydivers. I was like, well, skydivers need pilots. And went over and, and got a job flying skydivers out of Cresswell, Oregon, which was just a lot of fun. I didn't get a lot of hours and I got no pay, but my gosh, I had a lot of fun. And with those hours, I was able then, I went down to the Caribbean back home to St. Croix and started flying uh, charters, like turbine jet charters. And then there was an opening at the Seaborne uh, Airlines, and that's what I really had had always wanted to do is fly the seaplanes. So um, I, I just barely passed the exam. And the next day I was up in uh, Canada getting my twin otter on float uh, airline ratings. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, there's a lot of information online, but there aren't a lot of people who've actually done something. In my case, I've actually built a successful business that's accrued over $5 billion in assets under management and has done well even during trying times. Now, if you want to know exactly how I've done this, go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now. I've compressed a decade of learning into five short weeks just for those of you who want to give yourself an incredible advantage and are tired of waiting and watching others move up. Well, did you have uh, when did you have any uh, moments you went through where, you know, I'm up here in the air now and uh, things could go wrong. Oh yeah. I remember that's what happened to me when I did my, uh, uh, was getting my pilot's license and, uh, or in the process, you know, and I got it through one solo. I won't tell you the story of, of almost getting T-boned by a seven, seven thirty-seven that did not bother to call into the tower and get clearance huh. and on the cross, the, the cross thing. And I had to pull out right at the last minute and, once I got that thing down, I gave him the keys and walked away. But I mean, leading up to that, we had all kind of crazy things happen where all the power goes off. You know, we're up there, all the power goes off and then hit an air pocket. And the instructor was taller than me. And he went, he got knocked out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, because it went oh. boop. And oh. uh, I thought, what if I'm up here in a plane by myself and oh. hit an air pocket? And then we had one thing and another. Then a front came in. You know, we went out there. You know, you check the weather before you go up. Clear skies all the way from Greensboro, 200 miles all the way up to uh, Asheville. We go up for a 30-minute thing, and we turn around to come back. You know, we practiced uh, landings and takeoffs. And goes, uh -huh. We turned around to go back to the airport. We looked. It looked like Independence Day with a black sky, uh, every oh. co weather coming in. You know, we had to land and wait till that went up. It was like, I got the message real quick. I didn't need to be in the air, you know. But how did you uh, get past the kind of, uh, you know, fears that jump into your mind? Because you're already a guy who's got this irrational fear of soloing across the, around the globe uh, and not being able to avoid hitting a tanker. <laughs> so you're obviously capable of irrational fears. <laughs> 
So how did you how did you get yourself to the point of uh, having the confidence to, to hang in there and uh, go on with the the flying? Well, you know, I because we have the thing is the thing is this, Travis. I want to build because we have these irrational fears. There's fears of things going turning into disasters when you start companies too, and you're in charge, and even after you've had a year or two or three of success and this that, and the other. You I mean, there's always going to be those things that pop in your mind. And uh, uh, so how did you look at that? Well, I think every situation was a little different. Um, I remember as a, as a student pilot, one of the very first things that I was taught was if it looks like you're going to crash, jam something in the door, put a jacket or something in the door so that if you do crash, you can at least get the door open and, and get yourself away from the, the wreckage. And so I guess that was always kind of in the back of my mind that um, I'm going to be okay if it crashes, I can just, you know, prop the door open and get out of here. Yeah. But yeah, there were quite a few times where um, one of the scariest jobs I had was as a, I had a paper route flying from St. Croix to St. Thomas at four o'clock in the morning, I'd fly the, the newspapers over to St. Thomas. And uh, the owner of the plane would fill it up with newspapers because the more newspapers I flew, the more money he made right. and he would not put very much fuel in it. I mean, it was literally just enough to get there and back because the fuel weighed so much. He'd rather yeah. get the money in the newspapers. And there were multiple days where I'd be coming back. And like you said, the front would come in and I wouldn't be able to see the island. And I had to get real down low. And, and a lot of times, I mean, I was flying right on the surf and um, right on top of the waves in that kind of a, in a there's a there's an air pocket. If you take an airplane and turn it sideways, there's a, a buffer zone that you can kind of just basically float and, uh, and conserve right. fuel. And there were multiple times where I'd get down into that uh, uh, ground effect, I think it's called. I'd get down into the ground effect and just kind of coast back. But yeah, there were multiple times. One time I actually did get back to St. Croix and just as I landed the, the in, boat or the, I had one engine at that time, the engine went out and uh, I had to get towed back over to the hangar because <laughs> there was no more fuel. Wow. So uh, you just had it. I, I like the, the idea of, the guy telling you, uh, he assumed you would survive a crash and the biggest problem would be to get the door open. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's a yeah. positive, that's a positive thought, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and I didn't know any better, you know, like this is my kind of first or second flight. And I thought, well, this guy obviously knows what he's talking about. He's an old pilot. He must know. And I yeah. just kind of had blind faith at that point. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, you move on from that, you become a commercial pilot. How did the thing with the, uh, uh, you know, looking on here, you, you, I don't know which you uh, did first, uh, the, the sign and screen printing company or uh, the uh, uh, Tumalo, basically, because Tumalo started in 2007, right? Uh, oh, I started 2014, 2014. 14. Yeah. Yeah. I did the, uh, yeah, we had a, I had a fence company here in Bend, Oregon. We just started building clear cedar with no knots there. It was just beautiful fences, uh, right. As the housing economy was going straight up just before the 08 crash. And, uh, we sold that company, my partner and I, right before the 2000, 
uh, eight crash thereabouts. And we started a um, sign banner, kind of an advertising agency in downtown Honolulu and uh, Oahu Signs and Screen Printing. Okay. And I want to wrap up this first session because you've got a big, uh, powerful background and I wanted people to kind of get, get acquainted with, with who you are. What do you think, uh, what could you pass on to people you think that you did right as you continued to move through these things, you picked up skills, you got, you, what I see that you did, Travis, is that you kept yourself motivated. You know, a lot of people say, well, I'm bored, you know, which uh, to me, that's really poor. You know, that's, uh, that's like saying to the world, I'm stupid. You know, because, <laughs> you know, if you are bored in the world, whose fault is that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, unless you're in a supermax prison somewhere in solitary, uh, you don't have the right to be bored. And so, uh, uh, you so what you did was you you kind of grooved off of the things you were excited about and could get interested like you say you're on the water day and night accumulating the hours you fast track to the flying thing and as a result when you put in it's amazing how much uh i've always thought that in 90 days if you get interested in something learning a language playing an instrument Within 90 days of intensive around the clock effort, if you get the right kind of instruction and this, you know, decent equipment and everything, in 90 days, you could probably move up to the top 90 percentile or at least 95th percentile of everybody who does that in the world. You know, just it doesn't take that long to get really good at most things, almost everything, you know. And so that doesn't mean like if, if you're running, you're going to be the fastest or whatever, but you're going to be pretty good, you know? And so uh, what would you say? Uh, uh, so that's what I see about you. You know, I see you as somebody who stayed, you know, you gave yourself the freedom to, a lot of people don't want to change. You gave mm -hmm. yourself that. And the key to changing is to be more excited about what the new thought you have in your mind than you are about what you're leaving. And you can do that if you have saturated uh, what it is you're doing and you've got all, you know, you squeezed all the juice out of that uh, orange and they say, well, you got a great orange there. Yeah, but I've squeezed, for, for me, I've squeezed all the juice out. I, I, it's time to move on. And so, but the people who never really take advantage of the situation they're in, they're always gonna get around to this and get around to that. You know, they, they never maximize what they've got. But but I saw, see from you is you went, you got in situations, you got all the juice there was out of it, went to the top of it. And then your mind said, I want to move on. I don't want to be stuck here. I want to keep moving, keep learning. And so uh, is that, uh, is that something people could take away? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I when it, when it struck that I was a pilot, I didn't even really think about flying planes. I, I was a pilot. And so I started to study who and what are pilots. I knew that the flying was kind of an ancillary thing that would come later, but I knew that I wanted to fly for the airlines as an airline pilot. 
So I started to dress, walk, talk, and act, hang out with, read, watch pilots. And so I became a pilot and then I became to learn, I, then I learned to fly airplanes. And I think that that was, has, has always been kind of a big benefit for me. Um, like you said, you know, if you throw yourself into it within 90 days, you can really get to the top pretty quick where, and I, and I, I recognized that the people around me were learning to fly the airplanes. They were putting all of their effort towards the flying and they were, you know, they ended up as flight instructors for years and years and years and years. I didn't want to be a flight instructor. I want to be a pilot. So therefore I studied the pilots and then I learned to fly the airplanes. We're getting ready to have some real fun because we're going to talk about how you got into these businesses, because you know, let's face it, a pilot's still an employee. You yeah, know, right. when you're, uh, you're, you know, you're working for somebody, you're, you're limiting your income and, uh, you still have to be there. You know, it's not like being a uh, captain on a boat, but you still, for a period of time, you've got to be there and uh, uh, you've got to give up that element of freedom in your life in return for being a pilot, you know, because that's right. what a pilot, pilot does. So thanks so much for getting us going on this. And I can't wait to get in the next one. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Larry. If you enjoyed what you've heard and are dead serious about finding out for yourself exactly how this works in the real world, I've taken the most valuable business lessons I've learned over 40 years and put them into something for you to watch. Go to whiteellenwinning.com forward slash webinar now in order to move up as fast as possible. I'm Larry Whitell and I run the Million Dollar Mastermind. Go, go, go.